Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? How are you doing? It's fine May morning. So um, quick question. If I am now just hearing for the first time about leveling up and I want to be part of that, can I still be part or is it too late? I can still be part. Awesome. So if you're hearing about this for the first time and you want to be part of this, hey, there's still time. So uh, get there after church Sunday. It's going to be a blessed, blessed time. Um, anyways, my name is Daryl Temple. Um, me and my wife, Bethany, many of you know, we pastor this church. My wife, Bethany's not in the room right now. She's up with the children. Uh, but we just want to officially welcome you to this service, kind of just, you know, give you a face to the pastor here, because we actually have some guests that are going to bring, well, not guests, they're family, they're not guests, but uh, uh, people different than me and Bethany are going to be bringing the word. Would you guys put your hands together for both Andrew Montoya and Will Eifler? Yes, yes. And so we con- are continuing our series on Not of This World, and this is our final installment, right, today. And these guys are going to be sharing time together, uh, bringing God's word to us. So let's have a moment of prayer for us, that our hearts and our ears would be open to receive what the Lord has for us today. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the word. We thank you for these gentlemen. And right now we're asking for those who are going to be hearing, for our ears to be open, God, and our hearts to willingly and humbly receive the word of God that you have for us today. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Daryl. My goodness. I can't tell you how happy I am to have this guy up here preaching to you today. If I could get a little bit more juice on this microphone, a little less bass. Thank you. Um, I've been looking forward to this moment for a long time. You guys have a great treat in store for you. Um, with Andrew Montoya, he's, he's really just got the word of God living inside of him, and he lives it. Um, so just keep, yeah, the bass a little bit lower in my mic. Thank you. Um, this is the last, like Daryl said, the last uh, installment of our series. We've been talking about culture. Raise your hand. Be honest with me. Help me out here. If you heard or watched or saw here in person the first installment of this series where we started talking about culture, anybody who didn't raise their hand, I'm going to give you five seconds. Feel free to raise it high. Okay, so like half of us did. I encourage you to go back and and listen to that or watch it or something. We have a podcast. Lily Carly does a great job keeping that up to date. So if you're like on the train or something, Lily's got you covered. And you can listen to that. Um, we still have a bit of rampant bass, yeah. Uh, so the, um, the thing that we're going to be talking to, about today is a progression of talking about that. And you may find yourself wondering, what the heck does this have to do with culture? We promise to die, tie it together, but we're trying to cover a lot of ground here today. Um, the first thing I kind of want to uh, go after here is just a really simple call to action. Raise your hand if you feel like God has called you to make some kind of difference in the world. Raise your hand if you actually believe that for yourself. Raise it high, come on. Anybody else? So we're gonna pray for the rest of you. Okay, this is good. We have have our work cut out for us here today. So we know that God has called us to do something. We know God has called us to change the world. We know God has called us to live in such a way that we're light to the world, and that we make a difference. This isn't some humanistic thing where we're just like, oh yeah, you know, my impact is in how I can affect the world naturally. It's both natural and spiritual, amen? So we know that as a fact for ourselves. Here's the thing. This is what I personally believe is going on right now in our culture, in our lives, 
and is basically ever-present. We've got a generation of us, a couple generations actually, who believe that we're called to change the world. But we can't prioritize and focus and be consistent long enough to do it. I'm going to repeat that. We feel called to have God use our lives to make a huge impact, a difference in the world. We dream of making a, you know, a real mark, changing society, but we can't focus. We've lost the ability to focus. We've lost the ability to prioritize. We have so many options available to us. FOMO is real. Amen. Very real. Very, very real. <laughs> it's, if we, a lot of us young people especially, you know, you may be in college, you may be in grad school, you might be at the start of your career, but you've got a, a lot of fun, hip friends, and uh, it's, it's, FOMO is one of these real f- things that just is ever-present in our life. I'm going to jump to this thing, I want to bail on this thing so I can go to this thing. And we extend that not just to our social lives. We, I've watched a lot of people in my generation and Gen Z, we are lacking the ability to stay focused. We are lacking the ability to even know how to plug in, put in roots, and bear fruit for the long term. And so that is the only way that we're going to make a lasting difference in the world. You're not going to make it by some sort of pot shot. It's going to happen by doing it year after year, decade after decade. Mm. So that's kind of the main point here today that I want to make, because we're going to try to move through this somewhat quickly. How many of you guys have ever looked at like an investment portfolio and what that thing can do over a number of years? Anybody ever looked at those numbers? Some of you might be a little bit young to figure this out. Uh, There's a lot of hands not going up. Okay, so some of you you have, some of you haven't. Here's the thing. When you leave money in an investment portfolio and it's, you know, it's invested in a wise way and that compound interest just keeps reinvesting and you don't touch that thing for a long time, you just keep investing into it. Guess what? You have a retirement and that number grows so much more than if you had just had a cash amount, right? The law of investing, I believe, is like a natural law. I think it's just evident in finance, but it's natural where the, the difference that a lot of us have felt called to in our lives, the prophecies that God has given us through other people, through like our quiet time with God, which um, if you're going to go to that, I've If you haven't signed up to go to that, I really encourage you to go this afternoon and have an opportunity to dive deeper into how to hear the voice of God. Because if you're not hearing God tell you that you can change the world, you should be. Mm, But basically, those things that God has told you, those things are going to increase over time. You're going to, you don't build a ministry overnight. Am I right, Daryl? This is very much, you ask Daryl anytime what it takes to build a ministry. You know, if there's a needy population... Let's just say God has called you to meet the needs of the homeless. You're going to need to show up for more than two weeks in a row. Mm. You're going to need to be there week after week after week, probably year after year after year, ministering to people who might not look like they're benefiting very much. But the only reason that that community is going to have a reputation that they should come to you is because you've been there week after week after week, year after year after year. You getting what I'm laying down here? So, thank you guys. Okay, this is good. I feel like we might be making progress this morning. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about something a little bit, um, a little bit kind of, maybe a little bit too practical for some of us. But I really believe, again, this is, okay, Bethany recommended that some of us leaders listen to a podcast. Um, by this guy, Mark Sayers, 
and he was talking about where we're at. This cultural moment is the name of the podcast. And basically, he was talking through um, some of the breakdowns in our thinking, some of the ways that Western culture has warped the way that we approach our lives, the way that we approach church. And so basically, he was, he was proposing that right now, we have a whole generation of us who don't have the same understanding that many other generations did about discipline. Mm, All right, so, so true. you guys know, I think we have a graphic somewhere, I'm not sure I've put it in the computer, but we're talking about you know, the foundations of personal discipline is one of the things we're talking about today. How many of you, I know I'm doing a lot of hand raising, come on, bear with me. How many of you have struggled in your personal disciplines? I know I have. Okay, thank God we're honest, <laughs> some of us. Praise the Lord. It's a hard thing, right? It's, it's, it's a really difficult thing to stay consistent in your own life, but that's where the fruit happens. That's where, you know, it's, uh, one good uh, mentor of mine once said is discipline and delight, you know, and you've got to go through the discipline to get to the delight of God's presence. That's just basically how it works. And many of us are handicapped, and I hate to harp on it, but we're handicapped because of this. Praise the Lord. We're handicapped because we're so distracted, we don't even know how to focus anymore. I've watched, as I've met with, whether it's clients or friends, I've watched so many of us be so distracted, we can't hold on to a conversation. How many of you guys have been there? We have to put our phone away, right? And how many of you guys have felt, let's be honest, that phone nagging at our attention, that little black piece of, the little black mirror that lives in our pockets, just demanding and just during a dinner conversation. We can't focus anymore. This is an epidemic that we currently are experiencing. And it's absolutely obliterating our ability to focus with God. That's a whole different topic. But what I want to really get after today is how do you keep habits going? Okay? Because Andrew has some really good stuff I want to let him get to that's honestly more interesting than what I'm going to talk about. But before we get there, I want to talk about habits. There's this there's this book that I forgot to get out of my bag, and it's in the back, but I'm not going to worry about getting it. The Power of Habit, I mentioned it in my other message. There's this one chapter where they're talking about, he talks about the civil rights movement, okay, of the uh, 1950s and 1960s. So Rosa Parks, the Montgomery bus boycott. We all just think that sort of just happened one day. The reality is numerous people of color did not, like, they, they, uh, they protested by doing the same thing Rosa Parks did. Here's the difference about Rosa Parks. She was connected to a community, okay? So the chapter goes into why that started a very uh, difficult, very costly. I mean, people's lives were greatly inconvenienced for this boycott. But it happened because of the weak ties of community. So I want to share with you what a weak tie is. A weak tie is the person that you say hi to on a Sunday morning, you, you, you know their name, you know a little bit, you catch up with them. Some of us may feel like that's a bit shallow, but actually a lot of research is now showing that weak ties are really important for our ability to be socially mobile in our careers and also in our relationships. Weak ties are the foundation of where our relationships come from. And then there's strong ties like Andrew. Like, I can be honest, Andrew can call me out. Like, I talk with Andrew about stuff that matters. I talk with Daryl about stuff that matters. Like, those are strong ties. Those are people that really have a say in my life. But you need both of those people. And so here's the thing. Habits, they don't just live and die with you, okay? There are a lot of habits in your life that actually, though you don't know it, 
our reliance upon the presence and the influence of other people. So I do really recommend that you read this chapter in The Power of Habit because it talks about how literally peer pressure, okay, that's a word that's a very negative connotation for many of us, but actually peer pressure is the reason that we get anything done. It's when in business, in school, peer pressure is survival. It's pure survival. And it's the motivating factor that helps you be productive. And I want to pose to you this. It might be true for your spiritual life as well. Mm. Peer pressure might not be a bad thing. All right. So I want to turn to some scripture real quick. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Last week, Daryl laid a beautiful foundation from Genesis to Ecclesiastes to the New Testament about why community matters, why God did, did not create us to be lone rangers, ships in the night, but he, com- he created us to actually rely upon each other. So make sure you listen to that. That's the second part of this series. But this is, this is one scripture that we're really familiar with about community. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up. Say stir up. Stir up one another to love and good works. Mm. Let's say that again. Stir up one another. Stir up one another. To love and good works. To love and good works. Not neglecting. Say not neglecting. Not neglecting. Very good. To meet together like we are today, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What does that mean? That means that as Christ's second return, where things wrap up, as that's drawing near, it's all the more important. Amen. Look, I'm not going to say that we know exactly where we are in that timeline, but we're closer than we were. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Some of y'all are like, yeah, we're real close. Like, (laughs) I feel really close. It better happen soon. I promise, you know, God has his timing, you know, and he's going to take care of you. But we need each other more now than we ever did before. Amen. Okay? And a lot of us are... Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So most of us are losing the ability to appreciate community. Mm. And just to really recap quickly, my first message. We've lost it because of the lies of Western secularism that has told us that you are an island unto yourself. And what are the two main lies? You can have everything you want and you're not subject to anyone. You can have anything you want and everything. It's limitless and you're not subject to anyone. And that is not the kingdom. Let me just tell you that. Jesus called us to lay down our lives and he called us to do it for other people both the lost and the saved, those outside and those inside, our friends and our enemies. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, this is just a, a moment, hopefully, to snap us back and to say, oh, wow, this is actually the kingdom. That's not. I encourage you in your own life, start to think about what are the places culture has been lying to me and it's been deceiving me. Because, you know, there's things I'm going to say today. And that Andrew's going to say today that sound really bad. They sound wrong. They sound unappealing is probably the lightest way that I can put it. 
Some of us are going to have a visceral reaction. I promise it. You probably already have. Some of us already have in this message so far. Where we feel, he's like, nah, that can't be it. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't need to, do, to form my life around this that way. No, this is some, you know, there's, there's a lot of lies that have caused us to think a certain way. And we have to look at scripture. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Your spiritual survival depends on peer pressure. And that may sound really, really manipulative, but it's not. I promise it. You can't do it on your own. It doesn't work. Just doesn't work. So what does peer pressure look like, Will? Because that's, that's what I'm asking myself. What is peer pressure? Because there is this negative connotation. It's so, a good question. So what does it look like to Thank you, you in a biblical format? What is peer pressure? Thank you so much. This, I, we need to do this more often. This is good. Um, peer pressure is simply the presence. It can be as simple as the presence of someone in your life who's doing it right and who is going to a prayer set. It can be somebody literally calling you out. It doesn't have to be. Peer pressure actually, in, in a strict uh, whatever definition, is simply that you know that you're going to lose social standing or that there's going to be an effect to your relationships if you don't do something, if you don't show up. And here's the deal. Now, a lot of you heard that and you had a visceral reaction. I know it. But I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to walk through it. I ask that you just hang on with me, okay? A lot of us have made a, re- a religion out of self-care and dropping the ball on each other, okay? If you're on Instagram and you're getting your spiritual guidance and your you're kind of like general life guidance from an influencer, I encourage you to just stop it, okay? Because the current, the current cultural religion is new age, not Christianity. And, the current, and what makes an Instagram person popular is saying what sounds good, not what helps you. Okay? So the only reason that they're there for you to follow and they make money off of ads is because they're saying something that tickles your ears. Okay? Let's just even break away from the prosperity preachers that we rag on week in and week out and let's just call out who we're really listening to, many of us, is influencers. Stop it. Put away the phone. Okay? Because here's the deal. I forgot where I was going with that. I promise I was going somewhere good. Dropping the ball, right? We dropped the ball on each other. We've made a religion out of self-care that says, nah, you know what? Okay, prayer set on Wednesday night. I need some me time. Mm. What, is, what does me time re- really mean? Let me tell you what it means for me. Amazon Prime. <laughs> Netflix, praise God, okay? And it's not bad in small doses, but it quickly just metastasizes and takes over your life. And here's the deal. You making a religion out of self-care that's dropping the ball on others who are doing something meaningful because you're too burnt out or you need some me time is not self-care. It's self-harm. Let me repeat that. It's not self-care. It is self-harm. It's hurting you. It's hurting your future. Your habits become your destiny. And that's why you should read that book. Your habits become who you are. You can't ignore it. You can't just say, I need me time and flake out on your friends. 
every other week for doing something meaningful like going and doing an outreach, going to prayer, going to church. These things, they are not stupid. It's time to reevaluate what our culture is lying to us about and say, no, you know what? Maybe this is more valuable than news media. Let me tell you, news media is controlled by two individuals with massive organizations. Every single one you read, one's pulling you one way, one's pulling you the other. They're all making money off of each other. They don't care about you, okay? And the, the idea that church is out to just manipulate you, you need to, you need to question that idea. We're not out to manipulate you. This is a place where you come and you form important ties that are gonna help you anchor your life. I'm gonna bring this in for a landing so Andrew has some time. How much time do we have, Daryl? We good on 20 minutes, 25? We're gonna hope for 25. All right, so this podcast, I really encourage you, you gotta listen to it. You have to listen to this podcast. All right, this is not just, hey man, this podcast. No, this is seriously like some really insightful stuff about culture, the Mark Sayers one. Can you remind them of the name again? This cultural moment, the Portland Sessions, go listen to it. But he said this one thing that got me really going onto a kind of like just researching. He said, we need a new Methodism. You know, Amy and I named our son Wesley because of John Wesley. Here's what Methodism was, okay? John Wesley created a system of discipleship that kept people's lives locked in, in covenant to each other, and boiled down, you know, they had the Holy Club and the 22, you know, things that they read every day and asked themselves questions, but that boiled down the Holy Club and, and the Methodism movement was this. You take a few people, a few guys or girls, you covenant with them that you're gonna do the same thing each week. You're gonna to go to the same prayer set. You're gonna fast the same day each week and you do it together. Yep. Does everybody kind of grasp that? It's really simple. It's just doing the disciplines, some of your disciplines with other people so that you, because habits don't work here and there. They only work if they're regular. How many of you have ever been to a gym? Praise the Lord. Thank God that gyms are open. You have to go on a regular basis, or otherwise that habit falls apart, okay? And if you don't understand your habits, you don't understand yourself. So again, you've got to understand your habits, but this is one that's anchored with other people. And what I want to propose to you today is if you are struggling in the personal disciplines, if you're struggling to actually make a difference with your life with God, first of all, I want to tell you this. You don't need to wait to be perfect. Amen. You do not need to get an A-plus on your little scorecard with Jesus. That is not important. All you need to do is pick a few friends and say, or make a few friends. Some of you need to make some friends in this church, my God. Because um, COVID's, COVID's over. Like, get to know some people. Like, it's really, it's a good thing. I promise you. So, <laughs> visceral reactions. Praise the Lord. No, it's good. Like, find a few people you can trust. Get to know some people that you can trust and then say, okay, let's do the same prayer set each week. Let's, do, let's fast together one day each week. That's simply it. That's going to help you stay on track with your walk with God. You need other people, even for your personal walk with God. Now, not everything's there. A lot of it's in the prayer closet, but a lot of it is anchored in other people, accountability, people that can call you out, people that can pray for you. Amen? So anyway... From there, we want to talk about what's next. As you get filled up by God and your personal walk with God is going well, yep. what, what from there? Definitely. I just want to say, Will is all right when it comes to 
building spiritual disciplines with other people. I mean, I can honestly say my faith has grown tremendously by doing life, doing the spiritual practices with other people, with many of you here in this church. So my life, who I am today is a testimony to the power of community. So if you are having a hard time reading your Bible, if you're having a hard time praying, if you're having a hard time hearing the voice of God, get around other people who are doing it because that will drastically change your spiritual life. I mean, we were called to do community. We we're called to do things together. It's, if you look at all the commandments of Jesus Christ, they, he sent his disciples in two. There was no lone ranger. It was everyone. It was just doing it together, doing it in pairs. And so I definitely encourage you to, to do what Will just said. Find people who you trust or people who, who, are, who are a point in their walk where, hey, what they have, I want that too. So I'm going to ask them, can I follow you? Can you teach me? So I definitely encourage you to do that. And, and the biggest part that, that we do these spiritual disciplines, there's a purpose behind them. So what happens when we practice our spiritual disciplines? We get filled up with God. And, uh, and something that I, I worry, not worry a lot about, but something that grieves my heart is um, looking at the current state of the church and seeing a lot of people attempting to get built up, but not yet looking for outlets to flow out to release what they've been built up with. And I think that's one of the greatest tragedies we have or that we're currently experiencing in the church. We've become very selfish with, with our own walk with the Lord and saying, it's me, 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 me. I, I got to do me. I got to get me. I need this from God. So it's all about me. When in reality, if we truly look at scripture, it's not, I'm sorry to burst your bubbles, but it's not about you. It's, it's about Christ. And because it's about Christ, he then makes it about me and you and all of us. Amen. So your spiritual disciplines, the practices, the things that you pursue, yes, it is for your benefit, but it's also for something greater as well. It's for the benefit of those around you. Yeah. Some things that have really been stirring in my heart over the last couple of months is the more I read scripture, the more I just am in community with, with other people, I realize, wow, I've been extremely selfish with my faith. I mean, we all know people who've struggled in 2020. We all know someone who's maybe passed away or has just lost their jobs and just struggling in life. Yet we've become very selfish with, with what God's done in our life and not shared it with them. Christ has, is, is, we're meant to share Christ. And that's why if we turn to 2 Corinthians 9, 8, um, it says, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. So why do you build the spiritual disciplines? To be built up and to overflow. And what is that overflowing for? For you to excel in every good work that Christ has for you. And those good works are sharing the gospel with your neighbors. It's taking care of the poor, speaking up for the oppressed. That this, this is good. why you are filled up and you're called to overflow. It's so you can be salt and light to the people around you who desperately Preach. need Christ. Come on. So my heart, my heart, just examining myself, I'm, I'm talking about myself and just really looking, wow, 
I have been selfish with my faith. My life has been transformed by the power of Christ. I came from being an atheist to being someone saved by Christ. I came out of the spirit of depression and suicidal thoughts to being filled with hope and joy. I came out of a place of brokenness in relationships with family and friends, but now have been reconciled by the power of Christ. That is who God is. That is the God that we praise and we worship. And that's why we practice these spiritual disciplines so we can come to the realization that that is who God is therefore I need to share that God with my neighbors so when we practice our spiritual disciplines we're filled up so we can then pour out and the fruit of our spiritual disciplines is deeper intimacy with God which then leads us to be more outward focused because God came So the world may be saved. So we may have eternal life. He came for the lost. He came for people. He could have stayed in heaven, kept his son in heaven all to himself. But he knew because of his love for people, he was like, no, I need to send my son for, to, for the atonement of their sins. So then they can come back in right standing with me. It's all about people. Amen. That's why we practice our spiritual disciplines. So, when, so we see throughout scripture that that is God's heart. His heart are the, the brokenhearted. It's, it says he's close to, to, to the weak, that the weak are made strong, that he's made strong in him. It says that, that for the widows and the orphans, he's there for them. For the lost, those who need who needs, um, freedom from their, from their sins or from their struggles, he came to set the captives free. If you just read all throughout scripture, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Yet we expect ourselves to be served by God when that's not what we were called to do in the first place. That's good. We were called to serve others. If we are the image of Christ, Christ, the word says we are image bearers, that we are uh, co-laborers with Christ. And if we truly believe we're co-laborers with Christ, we would serve the people in our community. We would serve the lost because that is what my God came. Therefore, I'll do what my God did because I am a co-laborer with him. I am created in the image of God. So the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives us are in Mark 12, 28, 29. You all are familiar with them. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. So in these spiritual disciplines, as we are built up in our love towards God, it should look like something. If we truly love the Lord with all our mind, all our strength, all our soul, it should look like something. Because the second commandment is the fruit of the first commandment. So if you're not experiencing that second commandment love, then I urge you to let the Lord examine your heart. Am I truly loving you with everything I have? Wow. 
That is a tough question to ask ourselves, but we must do so in order to live out the second commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And I know that's, that's really hard to ask because we're, we, we are count, we're always singing songs of the beauty of God. And Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, there's nothing like you. We sing these songs, we pray these prayers, but yet when opportunity presents ourselves to share that beauty of Christ, we keep our mouth shut. So do we truly love God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul? Because if we did, the byproduct is loving our neighbor with, as we love ourselves. And can I be honest with you guys that I probably am not fulfilling that first commandment. If I truly were to examine my own life, the fruits that my life bear, I'm lacking in, in my love towards my neighbor. I'm lacking in taking care of, of, the, of the oppressed, of the poor. I'm lacking in, in sharing the good news with people around me. So as I urge you to ask yourself this question, I, so, I am myself asking this question. We all have to. So in Matthew 10, 5, 8, Jesus sent his disciples to preach the gospel. Uh, he gave them the authority to drive out evil spirits and heal every disease and sickness. So in these verses, he says, as you go preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick and raise the dead. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The reason why you can cast out demons and heal the sick and preach the good news is because you freely receive that in Christ Jesus. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So it's because of that, that gift that we've freely received from God, the Holy Spirit. It is because of that free give we can freely give to others as well. So don't hog the Holy Spirit to yourself. It's good. Don't hog the fruits of the Spirit to yourself. Yeah. When Jesus clearly commands his disciple, this commandment is still applicable to us today. It is not just for the original 12 disciples, but it's for each and every single one of us. Yeah. So if you freely receive... Freely give because that is the commandment of our Christ. Mm. That is what he commands us to do. That is because of the grace and love of God, we've freely received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us, this gift of the Holy Spirit. But yet when I look at my life, I'm not bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So we all have to ask ourselves the question, is my life reflecting the commandments that Jesus Christ has laid out before us in scripture? Is your life reflecting what Christ calls us to do in scripture? We have to ask ourselves that question daily. That is what it means to pick up the cross. Picking up the cross daily means we're constantly asking the Lord, did I please you? Did I follow you? Was I obedient to you? Jesus says himself that, that I know you love me because you follow my commands. 
So the obedience to the commands is a fruit of our love for Christ. Mm. So we must each ask ourselves, am I loving Christ today? And you can tell if you're loving Christ by the fact that you're being obedient or disobedient to his commandments. It's so good. And, you know, even just to, to continue to, like, some of you may be saying, okay, I think I mostly get it. Like, what does this have to do with the personal disciplines? Obviously, we do these things so that we can minister. I think a lot of us, the other side of this is a lot of us have recognized there is a, at some point, like, we do good in our, in our walk with God, and then something breaks down. Like, it's like trying to ride a bicycle, it's broken. Like, you're good, and then out of nowhere, just... Like you can't, you know, like it just breaks on you and you just fall over. And how many of you have felt that way in your walk with God? How many of you have felt that way where you're like, okay, I'm good for two weeks and then something falls apart where I just like, ah, the disciplines and the, of like getting up and spending time with God, it's like something goes wrong. Like my heart's not as alive as it was. This, I personally believe that pouring out is such a key to being filled up. And this may be the missing piece for some of us in our walk with God. So we talked about community, right? We talked about doing it with other people, but it's not even the end of it there. Giving, like Andrew said, is a way for God to fill us up. This may be that missing piece that you've been looking for. And this is one thing I just want to encourage us, and then I'll, you know, you continue with your thing. But the, the thing that a lot of us have a misconception about is that I've got to get everything right. I've got to get everything perfect, and I've got to get an A-plus from Jesus so that I can go minister to somebody. And that is, I actually believe that is holding many of us back from actually being able to reach the world. I think it's actually holding many of us back from getting filled up by God. God is not looking for perfect people. Yep. He's looking for willing people. He's looking for people who just want to follow him, want to obey his commands. Yep. He's going to meet you halfway. But some of us have been waiting so long that we've been stagnant and our faith has grown stagnant and we haven't gotten filled up in a long time. Maybe it's time to, like Andrew said, maybe it's time to go out and to give and to pour out. And maybe just from, just maybe from there, God is going to pour back into your life. So true. And I mean, share a quick story in regards to that point. Um, just to be like vulnerable with you guys, a couple of months ago, uh, there was a week in which I was uh, dealing with, with a lot of thoughts of, of not being good enough, of self-doubt. Like, the Lord has spoken these things to me, but yeah, I don't believe I'm good enough to fulfill these things. It was a week of where it was just constantly saying to myself, I'm not good enough, believing every lie that was coming against me. And it got to the point to where I, to be honest with you, I did not even want to worship or praise the Lord. That's how bad it was, how deep I was into those thoughts about myself not being good enough to where I didn't want to worship and praise God. I didn't even want to be around other people to, to worship and pray. So uh, the Lord, um, so there was, there's a member, um, a friend who, who lost uh, a family member. And um, while I'm in the midst of debating God and being like, Lord, I don't feel like being here. It was during a prayer set. I don't feel like being, being here today, God. I just don't feel like it. I can't concentrate on you. I can't focus on you. Um, I, I just don't want to be here, God. I just don't feel like praying. So I don't want to be here. And then during the middle of that prayer set, I got a call from a friend saying, hey, could you pray for me? My, I just lost a family member. 
To be honest with you, I did not feel like praying for that person at all. I was so caught up in my own doubts and my own struggles that, that I did not want to pray for the person. But because he called I was, and he asked for prayer, I was like, no, I, I have to serve him. I have to, to be salt and light to him. That's what Jesus commanded me to be. Even if I don't feel like it's still what he commanded me to be to others around me. So as I started to pray for him, and just asking the Lord to comfort him, to guide his family, to heal his family in this time of tragedy. I just felt the immense love of God for this person. To where I started to weep and then in return, the Lord reminded me of, hey, this is my love for you as well. And as soon as I, as soon as I had that, 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 after that prayer, that call with, with my friend, immediately my heart changed. I was able to connect with the Father again. I was able to pray. I wanted to be there to, to pray with other people. But that all happened as I sacrificially served my brother. Even though I didn't feel like doing it, but because I did, I received my breakthrough on the other end of it. Wow. So lots of us, we're in desperate need of breakthrough. We're, we're, we're struggling with condemnation or thoughts from, from the devil. But I would propose to you that your breakthrough is just one simple act of service. On the other side of that simple act of service. So if you're feeling in a, you feel like you're in a rut, you feel like you're struggling and you cannot connect to God, serve someone else. Serve someone else. As you love on that person with the love of Christ, the Lord has a beautiful way of reminding you that of that same love is, is, is how he feels for you. So that is why we want to be in community. Because community, a, a, a community opens the opportunities for us to serve others. It opens the opportunity for us to serve others. If we are all alone, if we're by ourselves and we interact with no one else, how are we going to get the opportunity to share the love and light of Jesus Christ to people around us? It's impossible. You must be in community, which is why we're urging you guys to practice these spiritual disciplines in community. Because it's not just for your filling, but it's also for your pouring out to the people around you that need the presence of Christ, that need the salt and light. So this is not just about you or me, but these disciplines and being in community, it's about all of us growing together in our walk with the Lord, but also reflecting godly community as Daryl prayed, uh, preached about the other week. So that is why we want to be filled up so we can then pour out. And I just wanna share just real quick with you guys uh, two statistics. I don't know about you guys. Is anyone big with numbers and just data in general? I don't know. I just, I see a bunch of numbers on a paper and my heart starts to race. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. I just, I just love data and numbers. <laughs> but, um, but there's two numbers in two recent studies that have been released. Um, one by um, Arizona Christian University in association with Barna and one by Barna itself. The first study released by Barna, um, it says that 47% of millennial Christians believe that it is wrong to share the gospel with others. Wow. 40, so that's about 50% of you in this room probably believe it's wrong to share your faith 
or the gospel with someone else. Can I propose to you that what actually is wrong is not sharing the gospel? Because if we do not share the good news, then there's only one result. For the way to heaven and to the Father is only through the Son. And then the other statistic that blew my mind I actually read yesterday as I was preparing is that 43% of millennials don't know, care, or believe that God exists. Don't know, care, or believe that God exists. Yet, 64% believe in karma and 50% believe in reincar- that reincarnation is real. So you know what these numbers highlight to me? That millennials are spiritually hungry, but they're hungry for an authentic relationship with Christ. And if your life has been changed by the power of the gospel, we owe it to share with these millennials that, hey, the God you might have heard of in the past, uh, that, that, that's full of condemnation, that that, that that is not who he is. He is a God of love, but he's a God who also is living, who is active today. He's not just some folklore that I read about in the in the book that we might think is history, but he is real and alive today in the power of Christ that transformed my life for me is available to you as well. Don't hide Jesus Christ. Millennials are begging. The youth are begging for an opportunity to uh, having an authentic encounter with Christ. And if your life has been changed, I'm assuming you're here today because your life has been changed by Christ. You've been set free from your sins. You've been set free from your past. And this is what young people are crying out for today. So I don't think the issue is that they don't care or don't believe that God is real. I believe the issue is that they don't know the true God. That is why they don't care or don't believe. And by building up these spiritual disciplines, you will come to know the true God. And I ask you, what will you do with that revelation of who Christ is? Will you keep it with your, to yourself? Or where you share it with a generation that is hungry. Hungry, looking for answers. Looking for something that is real and will change a life. And that is what Christ does. He changes everything. So I'll finish with this. John 14, 15 and 1 John 5, 2, 3. So in John 14, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then in 1 John 5, 2, 3, by this we know that we love, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So the difference between followers of Jesus and those who do not know Jesus is that those who've seen Jesus no longer have an excuse in avoiding of sharing the good news. You no longer have an excuse because when you give your life to Christ, your life is no longer your own, but it belongs to Christ. And Christ commands us to share the good news. Christ commands us to be sought in light to people in need in this world. And you might be asking yourself, how can I do this? There's such so, so deep and just issues in this world that are, seem impossible 
to, to fix. Well, beloved, there is nothing impossible for our God. There is nothing he cannot change, nothing he cannot do. And as I've already highlighted earlier, that by the empowering of your spirit, you will have everything you need to accomplish the works that Christ has for you. So as Will highlighted, it's not about being ready. It's just about believing that Christ is enough and he's given me enough to fulfill what he's called me to fulfill. Come on. Amen. Come on. You know, as we wrap this up and, uh, you, you know, close this service, I just want to say this. I really do feel like God is calling us as a church. He's calling us as individuals into a new season, a new season of how we walk with God, a new season of how we let God challenge us. Let me just tell you this right now in a special, deep, profound way, people are hurting. People need Jesus. People are depressed. People are suicidal. I don't have to even share the statistics. We've all read them in the news. Like people are in desperate places and it's time for us to let God pull on our hearts and for us to respond to him as people in the way that we walk with God and the way that we serve other people. Amen. I believe God is going to do something new with us as a church. I really do. Over the course of this summer, I actually believe that God is going to set some new tones for us. I believe that there's going to be some new things that get established, even new ministries. Here's one thing I will tell you. It takes people being part of it. It takes people signing up and being consistent. It takes people being willing to volunteer. If Andrew goes and leads the charge to go do something of compassion for people, guess what? People have got to go with them. And they can't just go one week. They can't just post it on social media and then flake out the next week because, hey, they went once. They need to do it week after week. This sacrifice involved to loving people. There's sacrifice involved with loving Christ. But I think that God is going to bring us into a new era as a church as, and as individuals. Amen? Awesome. Thank you. Awesome job, guys. Put your hands together one more time. This was awesome, wasn't it? So good. So good. How many are appreciating this AC? Good God. I, I, I don't think I could. I, I honestly was never of the mind that I could ever be cold, but I was freezing on the front row as the AC was going. Great job, guys. Hey, not to keep you any longer, but one thing I was thinking about and to kind of just narrow in on the command um, that I think doesn't necessarily go beyond Jesus's command that we should love our neighbors as we love ourselves. But something that I was thinking about in regards to the tail end of the sermon is how Jesus said in John uh, 20, 21, um, peace be with you as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. That, that, that word sent is, is a command that he's given us, the church, that we're the ones that are to go out and, and, and be like Jesus was for the disciples and for the crowds that Jesus touched. And so we kind of just kind of fall right in line, really, uh, because we're Christians. This is something that should be very natural, uh, that we are the sent ones. And... We are to be faithful to that command. Um, I don't know if that's helpful, but it was helpful for me as we seek to kind of be more specific in, in how we can live out this commandment, right? Well, um, 
as always, if I can invite Nick Pataki up to the front, we don't want to leave here ever um, without praying for people who need to be prayed for. Just would be in a disservice. And so uh, we're officially closing out our service, but for those who... Um, you know, have need for prayer, and it can be totally unrelated to the sermon. It could be related to the sermon, whatever it is. Um, but you need prayer. We want to join and agree with you and pray for you this morning before we uh, dismiss here. So uh, the altar is open. I'm going to ask some of my friends from the core team, or all teams, to come and help me as the altar is open. And then just some housekeeping. Um, many have probably noticed uh, some things are changing, uh, specifically in our city with COVID and some of the regulations and such that we've had to uh, kind of abide by. Um, there are, I don't know what that hum is, but that's pretty cool. Um, but there are some things changing, uh, and we're in the process of trying to really hone in on some of those things. We were able to, uh, Thursday of this week, sit down with some lawyers, to, and they were gracious enough to like clear up Governor Baker's um, kind of new regulations for us. Because, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I really don't get a lot of the things. So they were able to really break it down, be specific. And this is where we know uh, where we're at as a church here in Cambridge currently with these regulations. We know that, uh, one, we don't longer have to do registration. So you no longer have to register for service. Uh, there's no longer any worries about occupancy. We are still going to kind, of, kind of try to keep things somewhat what distant. We know that we have to still wear masks. That might be subject to change. Let me get specific with this part because a lot of people have talked to me uh, before service and I'm sure a lot will talk to me after. Um, we, when we come in as of, as of this Sunday, we have to be masked. When we sit down, we can take them off if, if you want. You can wear them for the whole service, but people are uh, free to take them off if that's their choice. Um, we don't know. There's, there's some speculation that Governor Baker might come out and give some more specifics where maybe masks are totally, you know, not a thing anymore. We don't know. But as of today, we have to come into the building, kind of like a restaurant. You know, you come into the restaurant, you're masked up, you sit down at your table, you, you take your mask off and you enjoy your meal. So anytime that we're mobile for the time being, we have to wear masks, okay? But you no longer have to register for service. Um, we no longer have any kind of occupancy worries. Um, you know, I know I mentioned that we're trying to keep the social distancing uh, still going in terms of the spacing of the chairs. Uh, but we're just going to navigate, you know, through this the best that we can. Um, but as of date, those things are not necessary. Uh, masks are still necessary. And as things change, because I think they will be changing even as of next Sunday, we will try to um, articulate and, and talk openly and candidly about those changes and what they mean for us. Um, now, I imagine many of you guys have questions, and I'm sure, you know, kind of like on the mass issue, there's probably, you know, everybody feels different about it. Some of you are already done with masks. You don't care what Governor Baker says. Um, but, and some of you are like, we need to wear the masks until Jesus comes home. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but God bless you. Um, but we're not going to, we're not here to enforce anything beyond what the government is enforcing. Uh, we believe that we're trying to honor the Bible the best that we can, where we're to get along with um, authorities and people in power, and we're to honor them and to kind of do our best to follow suit as long as we're not compromising this book. And I, I don't know if masks do that. I don't think they do. So we just should get over it. But anyways, we're not going to do a, a, the masked and the unmasked kind of thing. We're going to let people be self-governed. And as, uh, you know, our 
our local government kind of lays some things out. We're just going to go um, by those things and those regulations that they lay out. We're just going to do our best to track with them. And so um, we just want to ask, uh, be gracious and kind towards one another. Um, and let's just love Jesus. And let's go out there and, and make an impact in culture. Amen. Amen. All right. So the altar is open. Again, if I can invite just some of the workers with me to pray with people, some of our all teams. Uh, again, if you need prayer, we want to invite you up. Other than that, be blessed. Have a great warm Sunday. Come on. The sun is out. It is going to be warm. Get out there. Get some vitamin D. Get in the lake. Get in the pool. Whatever you do, get a cookout going on. I know Joe Biden said we couldn't do it till July 4th, but I say go with it. I've already kind of a couple myself. Anyways, be blessed, church. We love you. See you next week.